continuing our bigger series today, so we got to part number three. Already through this series, we've talked about how God is bigger than your understanding, your comprehension. So quit trying to, trying to work God out because you never will, and instead just follow him. Um, and then last week we talked about how God is bigger than your doubts and your fears. Um, and that uh, even though you may doubt God at times, even though you may have these fears, uh, God is bigger than that. And God overcomes those doubts and those fears. Uh, today we're going to talk uh, on a topic that God is bigger than anything man can build. Anything that man can build, God is bigger. So uh, I've got a little uh, soon-to-be four-year-old in my house who is obsessed with Spider-Man. Um, he loves Spider-Man. I remember being a little boy, and uh, uh, I had some Spider-Man pajamas. Um, I always remember growing too big for those pajamas, and my mother keeps saying, uh, we need to get rid of the pajamas. They're way too tight on you. Um, that was the day before we wore skinny jeans and stuff like that, you know, where everyone wore baggy stuff. I was like, no, but I love my Spider-Man pajamas. Well, now, fast forward all these years, and I've got a little boy in my house who loves Spider-Man. And so, because he loves Spider-Man, uh, then we've got to uh, re-watch a lot of cartoons, uh, re-watch uh, a lot of the Spider-Man movies. There's some good ones, there's some bad ones, some that are appropriate for him, some that maybe aren't appropriate for him, and somehow, I don't know, he works his lecture out that uh, he can figure out how to watch you without uh, us even knowing. Uh, but my son is so much uh, loves Spider-Man that sometimes he takes on the persona of Spider-Man. So uh, there's some days that you will... Uh, you will talk to me and say, hey, Evan, how you doing? He goes, I'm not Evan. I'm Evan Peter Parker. And uh, so a couple of weeks ago, uh, Brandon uh, uh, saw him say, hey, Evan, how you doing today? And Evan looked at him and goes, uh, I am Peter Parker today. And so he takes on this persona. Uh, and it's funny, sometimes you're at the school, uh, at the store, and you'll look at a little girl like, you know, uh, uh, in like a, a, a shopping cart or whatever. And suddenly you look over and you're like, what are you doing? And he's like doing this, psst, psst, psst. So many spider webs. I'm like, is like, she a bad girl or something? You know, I don't know. But he loves Spider-Man. But this is what, uh, uh, you know, as as he loves Spider-Man, starting to 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 uh, re-engage into what Spider-Man is all about. And uh, and it's funny because the story of Spider-Man of the comic of Spider-Man, he was kind of this uh, th this kid who was a little weedy, you know, not very strong. He was always smart, didn't really have many friends. His name was Peter Parker, and uh, um, and, and and he was uh, brought up by his uh, aunt and his uncle because his parents had passed away at a young age. Um, and then one day he gets bit by a spider, and suddenly he gets spider powers, and he just can't understand what's going on. Uh, and then finally he realizes that he can do things that nobody else can do. Uh, and one day he was this just this average teenage kid who wasn't the most popular at school, Peter Parker. And suddenly the next day he becomes this beyond human being. Uh, and, and what you find about the, the whole story of Spider-Man when you're watching the movies is you get these guys, these villains who come up. And, uh, and, and I don't know what about, it is about my son, but my son loves villains. I'm not sure where we're going wrong on the parenting trap, but he loves bad guys and villains. And, uh, and it's like, what, what is going on? But 
the villains rise up, the bad guys rise up, and, and they build these amazing things, like these pieces of technology, these uh, th these weapons, and uh, to bring terror over everybody, and the police have no hope at all, and you see all these police shooting at them, and they, they just can't do anything at all, uh, and, and it's like they're going to take over the city, and then Spider-Man swoops in, and no matter what these villains build and these villains do, and how big and great these villains are, they're never quite strong enough or great enough to overcome Spider-Man. Now, some of you know in the comics there's some times when that happens, but we're not going to get into the weeds of Spider-Man this morning. But you find that that happens. And even though Spider-Man is a comic book and it's fictional and it's not real, and I have to keep telling my son, it's not real. You can't really scale buildings and shoot spider webs out of your arms. Even though it's not real, it does give us an incredible picture of the kingdom of God. It gives us this picture that whatever man can build, God is always greater. It gives us this picture that followers of Jesus are average human beings, but as soon as they can become a follower of Jesus, suddenly they start to get the Spirit of Jesus living inside of them, the Holy Spirit accompanying them, and then they start to be able to do things and be people that they never imagined they could be, almost unworldly. It shows us that Man is always trying to overcome, and man is always trying to build up, and man thinks they know best, but ultimately, no matter what man builds and man does, God is always bigger, and God is always greater. There's a story in the Bible found in Genesis chapter 11, where, where man became pretty powerful, and, 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 and the people of the earth became pretty intelligent, and the Bible says they all spoke one language, and they came together, and they said, let's build a great city. Let's build this big city and then we're going to build a big tower in the middle of the city and it's going to stretch up to the heavens, stretch up to the skies and we're going to build it to make us famous. That's what the people said, to make us famous because we're great and we're mighty. And so they build this huge city and they build this tower and this tower is huge and it re reaches up into the sky and then God says, no. You think you're powerful, but you're not. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start to confuse your language. So you start speaking different languages. So some spoke English. The best people spoke English, right? No, I'm, okay. I'm kidding. My wife would say the best people spoke Spanish, right? Some, some started to speak French, and some started to speak Arabic, and some start, start, started to, uh, to, to speak Portuguese, and then Chinese, and Japanese. And suddenly, these people who thought they were so great couldn't communicate with each other. And what you started to find, that the people who could communicate with each other started to form their own smaller communities, and the Bible says people started to spread across the world. And so you can blame those people who tried to build this big tower when you are trying to talk, when you go to, I don't know, when you go to Mexico or the Dominican Republic or if you go to, uh, uh, to, to France or you go to uh, Germany and you don't understand what they're saying, it's because of those people who tried to think that they were greater than God. And God says, no, 
I'm greater than you. And so God uses this thing called the Tower of Babel to show man that whatever man can build, God is always greater. God is always bigger. And this is a great example of how man's arrogance can sometimes fool us into thinking that we know best. That we can be strong by ourselves, that we don't need God. We've got it all figured out because we have science and we have math and we have engineers and we have architects and we can build big cities and we can, uh, we, we, we can explore medical practices and, and do incredible operations uh, that, that people couldn't do before. And, and we have Google, so we're smarter than everybody else, right? And that's what man starts to think and it gets arrogant. We don't need God for we can figure it out by ourselves. And while God will remind the arrogant like he did in the Tower of Babel, he will remind the arrogant of his greatness. He also in turn will empower those who are humble and choose to serve him. And this morning, we're not going to talk about the arrogant this morning. We're not talking about how God will show the arrogant eventually his greatness. This morning, we're going to talk about the humble and the faithful who serve him. Because this morning, I think in this room, we got some people who are humble. And we got some people who are faithfully serving God. And I want to show you how God will empower you this morning to be all that, that, that you could be and more. That ultimately, that God is almost going to give you some spidey powers. You know, you may not be able to shoot some webs and climb some buildings. But you'll be able to do some things in your life that ultimately people will look and think, wow, how can they do that? How can they be that person? So we're going to start with a story in the Bible that's found in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. And I'm going to start reading from verse 13. And this is what it says. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, his disciples replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then Jesus asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell, or some translations say Hades, will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven for whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And Jesus says to his disciples, but don't tell anyone I'm the Messiah. You know, don't let the secret out quite yet. So here in Matthew chapter 16, we see for the first time that Jesus empowers his followers to not only be part of the kingdom of God, but to be builders in the kingdom of God. To be builders in the kingdom of God. And this is what I want you to understand today as we're going through this bigger series. We're trying to get a bigger concept of who God really is. Get out of our own head of what we think the concept of God is and see who really God is and who am I 
in relation to God and who am I in Christ? And so today, I want you to understand that that our role is not just to be part of the kingdom of God. Our role is greater. Our role is God partnering with us to build up his kingdom. So when the Bible tells us that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall be saved. Jesus uh, says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him will not perish but will receive everlasting life. And we take that as being part of the kingdom of God. When you believe in Jesus, you become part of the kingdom of God. And so many believers and so many Christians, they stop right there and they cut themselves short because they're like, okay, I'm part of it. I'm part of the kingdom. That's all I need. I need to be part of the kingdom. But the reality is this, is that Jesus is building his kingdom. And Jesus has not called you to be part of the kingdom, even though you are part of the kingdom. He has called you to partner with him in building his kingdom. So this morning, we're builders here this morning. So if you're Bob and your name is Bob, you are Bob the builder this morning, just to let you know. It's almost like Jesus is saying to Peter in this moment, he's saying, Peter, you were once Peter Parker. But now you're Spider-Man. Now you're different. It was actually Spider-Man's uncle, Uncle Ben, who said this great quote. He says, Peter, with great power comes great responsibility, right? And that's the reality for you who are followers of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you have great power. Now, in a few weeks, we'll talk about power and the power that comes with with being part of the kingdom of God and following Jesus. But with that power comes responsibility. And you have a responsibility more than just being part of the kingdom of God. Your responsibility is to join with Jesus Christ in building the kingdom of God. So let me give you some background to this story. So Jesus came to the disciples and it says they were in a region called Caesarea Caesarea Philippi. Now Caesarea Philippi was, was, was a region a little different to the other places in the Bible. There's other places in the Bible like we hear of Nazareth and we hear of Capernaum and we hear of Jerusalem and, and we hear just of the Galilee region where Jesus often taught and performed his miracles. Now this region here in, uh, in Caesarea Philippi is a little different and this is why. Because the religion of Judaism at the time was not the overwhelming religion. A lot of the people in this region had left the principles of Judaism and they started to worship pagan gods. In fact, this region was known to worship a pagan god called Pan, P-A-N, Pan. He was a a woodland Greek god, the Greek god of the woodlands, right? Right? So for those of you like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that, you know, you go in the woods and there's the, wo- there's the God of the woodlands. Also, Herod, who was the king of Judah at the time, or the Judea region, Herod had dedicated a temple to Caesar worship, 
who Caesar was obviously the Roman emperor when he did it. So to worship the emperor. So they had left the roots of, of worshiping one God, the one true God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And now they're worshiping pagan gods and they're worshiping even people in this region. This town had a totally different vibe to, to the others. It was just like, whoa, kind of, let's go worship the woods kind of thing. It's interesting that Jesus uses this place here, this venue, to announce to his disciples that they are not just part of his kingdom, but they are going to be instruments that God is going to use to build his kingdom. In a, in a place where Judaism had almost crumbled and been defeated by pagan worship, Jesus is saying to his disciples in this place, right now, here, I'm going to start to build my kingdom. And we're going to see some amazing things that are going to happen when God builds his kingdom. So Jesus asked them this simple question to his disciples. He says, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? He says, who do people say that the son of man is? And so they come up with these answers. Well, some say John the Baptist. Even though John the Baptist was alive when Jesus was alive, so I don't know how that correlates at all, but some say John the Baptist. He said, and then the disciple says, well, some say Elijah, because a lot of people believe that Elijah was going to come back to the earth at one point. And a lot of Jesus' miracles mirrored some of Elijah's miracles. So people thought he had the same spirit of Elijah. So they thought, well, Jesus must be the reincarnated Elijah. That's what they kind of thought. Then they said, well, some think Jeremiah. Because Jesus' teachings were very much in alignment in some of the things that they said as what Jeremiah's teaching was. Or one of the other prophets. Jesus must be one of the prophets. They were all wrong, obviously. But this is what people understood. Jesus was different. Jesus wasn't just some average carpenter from Nazareth. Jesus was different. There was something about Jesus that everybody knew. Okay. This, this guy is a little off the chain here. This guy's a little different. This guy, uh, he can do things that I can't do myself. So then Jesus presses in further. He says, okay, so the people are saying I could be John the Baptist. I could be Elijah. I could be Jeremiah. I could be one of the prophets. But he pressed into his disciples and he says, but who do you say I am? And I ask you that question. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? It's a great question to ask yourself all the time. Who do you say Jesus is? I've discovered as I've gone further along this journey of faith, that answer has got more elaborate and I've got a bigger picture of who Jesus was. Who do you say Jesus is? And so Jesus asked him, who do you say I am? And then, and then Simon Peter gives now his famous words. And he says this, well, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's almost one of those. It's like, whoa, what did I just say? Like, where did that come from? I didn't think about that myself. And Jesus turns to Simon Peter and he says, Simon Peter, he says, wow, you got the answer right. Well done. Gold star. Go to the top of the class. He says, you didn't figure this out yourself. He says, there's no way in your mind that your mind could have comprehended that 
I was the son of the living God, the Christ, the Messiah. He says, my father in heaven has revealed this to you. And that firstly tells us about what happens when we become believers of Jesus Christ. Often things that man cannot comprehend, even the greatest scientists and the greatest thinkers of our our world cannot comprehend, you can comprehend because often the Father in heaven reveals things to you. That's an amazing thing. And he says to him, he says, my Father in heaven revealed this to you. And then Jesus following that, makes two incredible statements that change the course of Simon Peter's life and changes the course of every believer or follower of Jesus' life. And this is the first thing he says. He says to him, he says, okay, Simon Peter, you got a new name. You got a nickname, and your name's this, The Rock, right? Not Dwayne Johnson, but The Rock, You are the rock. He says, you will now not be known as Simon Peter, but now you'll be known as Peter, which means rock. And he says this, he says, and on this rock, on this Peter, I'm going to build my church and the gates of Hades will not be able to conquer it. Firstly, he changes his name. He changes his name and I think he changes his name to remind him of who he was in Christ and what God was doing in and through him. And so often, some of us, we need to change our name. Not literally, but we need to change the way we think about ourselves. Because so often we think about ourselves as failure, or I'm a doubter, or I'm scared, or I'm a quitter, or, or, or I'm, much, I'm much good to nothing, or I'm abused. That's what we think of ourselves. But Jesus comes along and he changes our name and he says, no, you are rock. He says, no, you are victorious. No, you are an overcomer. No, you you have perseverance. That's what Jesus comes and do. And in your life, that's what Jesus is wanting to do with you. If you are holding on to something, a name that you were being called before, something in your life, Jesus is saying, no, I'm going to change your name. So you never forget who you are in Jesus Christ and who, what God is doing in amongst you. And so he says, you are now going to be called the rock. And then he gives this guarantee. He says that I'm going to build my church on you. You'll be the foundation and I'm going to build on you. And the guarantee is this, is that the gates of hell will not conquer what I am building. The gates of Hades would not prevail, meaning death and evil will not succeed in tearing down what Jesus is building. Jesus is saying here that that his building project will use faithful men which will result in a powerful and overcoming kingdom. And as believers of Jesus Christ today, I want, to, I want to let you know so you understand you belong to a powerful and overcoming kingdom. There is not anything in this world, there's not a gate of hell, there's not a, a spiritual being, there is not a man who can overcome what God is using you to build. Because you are part of the kingdom of God. No matter how powerful man's plans become, God's kingdom will always be bigger and greater. This promise was not just for Peter. 
See, this promise was for all believers. For Peter, for the disciples, and all those which would come after. And so when we ask you to join us in community on a Sunday morning, or, or when you join in a small group on a Wednesday or Thursday or Sunday morning, or, 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 or you come and, and you volunteer and you join with other believers in community, you are coming to be part of something that is bigger than anything man can design or build. Anything man can design or build. We are asking you to come and join and be part of the kingdom of God that is unshakable and strong. So Peter became a rock. The second thing that Jesus did for Peter, he gave him some keys. He gave him some keys. Now, it says this. Jesus says, and I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And let me tell you, there are people for centuries who've debated what that means. You have people who, who claim this and claim that. And we're not going to get into those weeds either today. Because that's not important about what you bind on earth, bound in heaven, and loose on earth, loose in heaven. The important thing of this story is that Jesus gave Peter the keys to the kingdom. What that means is that Jesus was trusting Peter. One of the most important roles a servant could have in the household was to be the key bearer. It was a trusted role. To be the key bearer meant that you had the power of who to allow in the house and what to allow out of the house. And so Jesus, by, by giving Peter the key to the kingdom, he is saying this, okay, Peter, and to the rest of the disciples, I'm trusting you with my kingdom. You now have access to all the wonderful things I am building and creating. But you also have the ability to stop whatever comes against you. You can shut it out. And so this is what Jesus did for Peter that day. I wonder what Peter thought that day. I wonder if Peter still in that moment really understood the glory of Jesus and who Jesus was. I'm not sure. But six days later, I guarantee Peter suddenly discovered who Jesus was. For six days later, we find in Matthew 17 verses 1 to 3, it says, six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up to a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly, Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Six days later, after Jesus says to Peter, Peter, you're going to be the rock and, and whatever we build will not be able to be torn down. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. Six days later, Jesus says, hey, Peter, come and bring James and John with me. We're going to go up in the mountain. We're going to go up and pray. So they're thinking, okay. Well, suddenly Jesus started to reveal to them who he really was. Peter had said, you are the son of the living God, the Christ, the Messiah. And suddenly in that moment, they saw the resurrected Jesus before Jesus had even been resurrected. 
They saw the glory of Jesus shining. And notice, then appears to them, and it's kind of, I can't, my mind can't comprehend this one. But then they saw Moses and Elijah. Remember what people have said Jesus was? Jesus was Elijah. And then Elijah is appearing next to Jesus. It's almost like Jesus saying, look, I ain't Elijah. I'm the Christ. I'm sure in that moment, Peter suddenly looked up and, and realized, wow, the God of the universe, the God of all being, the creator, the one who put the stars in their place, has come down to earth and has taken me aside, a lowly average fisherman, and said that I'm going to be the rock on which he builds this church? See, man may build his cities and communities and schools and business parks, but God is building his kingdom, and you are part of it. Just like Peter was part of it, you are part of it. So you may ask, well, if that's true, then what is God building? What is God building? In just the final few moments of today, I want to tell you what God is building. So you're part of the greatest building project this world has ever seen. This world has ever known. It's called the kingdom of God that Jesus is building. And the gates of Hades will not be able to prevail against it. But what is Jesus building? Building his kingdom, but what is... What is he building here? What is he using me to build? Well, I want to give you three things real quick about what Jesus is building. And the first one is this. He's building a city of light. A city of light. Let's go back a few chapters in, in the book of Matthew. So the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus made this proclamation to his listeners that day. In verse 13, he says, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on the stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So here Jesus is telling his disciples, guess what? He says, you are going to be a city on a hill. You're going to be a light that shines that people are going to see all around. You're going to be a light that shines that those who have lost their way will be able to see and find their way. You'll be a city on the hill that those who are lost in darkness and those who are in darkness will be illuminated and find light because you're a city on the hill. You will be a place where those who have no home or no place to lay their head, they will be able to, to find you and find shelter and find rest. You are going to be a city on a hill. And that is what God is building. Here at Generation Church, God is building a city on a hill so Friday Friday morning Chris and myself were just in here and, and we were praying and we pray like once a week together and we just come and just pray for the church and 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 just different things going on and this week I started to pray and as I as I prayed I prayed God I feel like we're a candle on top of this hill here if you notice we're actually on a hill if you've ever been here on a windy day it's like hold your hat down I feel we're a candle 
on this hill. And I prayed, but God, let us be a city of light. Let us be a city of light. And that is what God is wanting to do. Jesus says, so do your good deeds that will shine. As we start to do different things uh, to, to, for each other and for people in our community, as we start to share the good news of Jesus and be the hands and feet of Jesus, do you know what happens? Suddenly, on the top of this hill, it's not the festival everybody knows about. It's a city of lights. It's called the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus is building. The second thing that Jesus is building, he is building an army of unbelievable believers. An army of unbelievable believers. After Jesus has died and rose again, before he, was resur- before he ascended to heaven, this is what he told his disciples. Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 17. Then Jesus told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. And then verse 18, I don't think it's on the screen, but it says, they will be able to handle snakes with safety. Don't try that. Just, just don't, you know. And if they drink anything poisonous, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. What Jesus is declaring to his disciples, he says, look, I'm leaving, but, but this is what's going to happen. The building project is going to continue. I'm going to build my kingdom and, and, and you are going to start to be an army of unbelievable believers. I'm going to give you spidey powers. That's what Jesus is almost saying. I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit and you will be able to do things that you've never been able to do. You will pray for things that will come into existence that you never thought would be possible. What Jesus is saying, he says, you'll lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. He says that, 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 that you will be able to cast out demons and uh, even if a snake bites you, it ain't going to hurt you. Now, we ain't ever going to be one of them churches just to let you know. Don't play with fire, right? Just in case. But that's what Jesus is saying. And so you look at our culture today and I scratch my head because I don't hear the stories of the blind gaining sight. I don't hear the stories of the lame suddenly walking. I don't hear the stories of the deaf hearing or the dumb speaking. I don't hear the stories of the dead raising to life. I did see one on Facebook the other day, some church in Africa, and you saw the guy moving before he even rose to life. It was all a hoax. And I sat and I laughed and then I was sad because we have to hoax those things. But ultimately, if we really believe what Jesus said, and this is why I ask you, who do you say Jesus is? Because if we really, really, really believe who Jesus is, that means when we're building up the kingdom of God and helping Jesus build the kingdom of God, we should be seeing miraculous signs. 
And if we're not, then to me that means we need to lean more into Jesus. Because Peter saw it, John saw it, the other disciples saw it, Paul saw it. People in the past have seen it. I've heard wonderful stories of uh, things that happened with my grandfather and great-grandfather. We've seen it in church before, so if we're not seeing it today, then it shows us we may need to lean more into Jesus because Jesus is building an army of unbelievable believers. And then the last thing, Jesus is building a band of broadcasters, a band of broadcasters. In Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 8, it says, So that the apostles were with Jesus. They kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? They were still thinking that the kingdom is this earthly kingdom, and it's not. It's a heavenly kingdom. And Jesus replied, The Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is saying to his disciples that you are going to receive the Holy Spirit. And this is the reason you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. So you can tell about the stories of Jesus to Jerusalem, to Samaria, to Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And, and, and that is the role of the church. The role of the church is to be a broadcaster to the nations to tell of all the wonderful things that Jesus is and Jesus is doing. The kingdom of God is a network that is greater than Facebook. It's a communication tool that is more powerful than the internet. Because what God is building is greater than anything man can build. And so for you, some of you may tremble and get scared of telling your friends and your family about Jesus. But there's no need to be afraid. For what Jesus is doing in you is greater than whatever voices they're hearing. The Holy Spirit has given you power to tell the wonderful things of Jesus. The amazing thing about all that God is building is this. None of this is done with your power. It's not done with my power. It's not done with any man's power. It's all through the work and the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Through you, his kingdom is being glorified. Just you getting up in the morning and believing in the resurrection of Jesus is glorifying his kingdom. Just you coming to church and singing a song of praise unto God is glorifying his kingdom. He's changing your DNA so that the powers of hell will not be able to bring you down. See, when you came to church today, it was not just another thing to do. It was not just a religious act. It was not just, I'm just going to a place of worship. It was to join with all these good-looking folk around you in the greatest building project the world has ever seen. For God is greater than anything man can build And you get to be part of what he is building. Let's bow our heads in prayer. That's why your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. We just want to give you a picture 
of who Jesus is and who God is. And think, you know, man has built great cities like New York City and Tokyo and Dubai with their huge towers. Cities like London and Paris. But that is nothing compared to the city that Jesus is building. See, science has been able to do unbelievable things. There's wonders in this world that are engineering miracles. But anything that man has been able to build, God is always more unbelievable. You see, man has its Facebook and its Twitter and its Instagram. It has its email and its telephone systems. It has the internet and it thinks it can tell the whole world about what, it's, what it has learned. But it's nothing compared to how the, communi- the, the kingdom of God communicates. For whatever God is building is great. And so in this place today, we're going to pray and then we're going to leave. And, but as I pray, there's three things we're going to pray for today. And I want you to join me in praying. That here in, 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 in this little corner of Harvard County, on the, on the corner of, of Old Emerton and Wheel Road, that here in, in this moment, that God will start to build a city of light on a hill. That even amongst us, that we'll see miraculous signs that the impossible will become possible to declare to the world the power of Jesus. That here in this place, that we will gain boldness to boldly declare and broadcast the story of Jesus. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, that our friends and our co-workers and our neighbors and the people that we meet each and every day will start to understand that Jesus loves them. So pray with me this morning. Father, we just come before you and we ask of you. Lord, that you will light our lives up so much. That we will become like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. That the kingdom of God in Harford County, God, will be so full of light that the lost will find their way home, that those in darkness will find light. God, that those who are wandering will find a place to lay their head. God, that those who have not even got you on the radar will start to see the light of Christ shine. Father, we don't want to be a candle on a hill, but Lord, help us to be a city on a hill. Father, we pray, Lord, that we will start to see the miraculous, not just for a show, not even for people just to be amazed. We're not magicians. But we pray for the miraculous 
to show this world that our God is greater and bigger than anything man can do. And Father, we pray, Lord, that you'll give us the boldness to declare your goodness and your love so that we become a brand of broadcasters. Lord, that the message of Jesus will not just be for Bel Air, but it will be for the whole of Harford County, that it will reach out into the state of Maryland, God, into the United States and to the ends of the earth as people will understand that God is building his kingdom. So, Father, we thank you that we get to be part of it. We thank you, Lord, that on this rock here that you are building your kingdom and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it for it is a strong and unmovable kingdom. So we thank you, God, for all that you are doing in and through us. Lord, we are humbled and we are grateful. Now, God, we say build your church in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Have a great week. We'll see you next week for part four of Bigger.